Let us pray. Lord, as we come to this portion of our worship service, we ask that you open our hearts, that you prepare our minds, that you prepare our senses to be awakened by the movement and power of your Spirit. We ask that all those thoughts that sometimes compete for our attention, that distract us, that they will be swiftly brushed away so that we can focus on what it is that you have to say to us today. And as these words are read, these words from the Holy Scriptures, Lord, we ask that they come off the page for us, that they find their way into our hearts, that you instruct us, and that you reveal your truth to us as we hear them, as we speak them, and as we meditate on them. Bless this time that we have now in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verses 4 through 13. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Since Easter Sunday, we've been talking about uh, the Son, S-O-N. We've talked about Jesus as the Son that rises, the Son that gives us victory over death and over sin. We've talked about Jesus as the Son of Man, how He relates to us in our humanity. We've talked about Him as the Son of God, how although He is fully human, He is also fully divine and carries all the power of God with Him. Last week we talked about when the sun is hidden, when we go through those times in our life where we don't really sense his presence, but yet our faith allows us to to trust that he is still there. And so today I want to wrap up this series on the sun by talking about exactly what it means to have the sun, as it is put in this passage here. 
Now, when we say things like, we're having a son, it sounds like we're pregnant, right? Well, we'll find out as we go along in here that that's not too far off from the idea of what it means to have the Son of God living in us. But these words come from the book of 1 John, which is probably my favorite book in the entire Bible. Uh, all the, the other stuff, uh, the, the Old Testament, you know, people have different interpretations. And of course, the, uh, the life and, and the works, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is, is vitally important to our salvation. But what I like about 1 John is he has a way of breaking things down and simplifying them so much that we can see how the themes of love and faith and life are all connected. John, in this letter, does a wonderful job of assurance, assuring people that their faith, of what their faith is doing and how they can tell if they have faith. First, he says, we can know that we have the Son. He lays out the ways in which we can know that we have the Son living within us. But he also says that we can know that we have eternal life. So John is is working on this assurance. He's letting us know that we can know. But then he's also letting us know that we can show. In other words, he's saying not only can you know that you have the Son, but if you have the Son, it will become evident and other people will know that you have the Son. And so it acts as assurance not just for us, but for others as well. One thing that John does wonderfully in this letter is he ties together the themes of faith and love. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then in the fifth chapter, the chapter that we just read from, the chapter starts off by saying, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So if we break those statements down, we see we believe in God. That involves our faith. Whoever has been born of God, that involves our faith. It involves belief. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is born of God. So we have faith as the principal thing. But then it goes further. Anyone who has that faith, who has been born of God, loves the Father because he has been born of him. And if we are born of God, then we love others because God is love and that love transforms us. So John does a wonderful job of tying the the themes of faith and love, not just for God, but for each other all together. He he interweaves them perfectly. But then in this passage that we have here, he he does something else. In verse 4, he says, everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. So he says your your faith, your belief, not only is it going to change the way you see people and the way you love God and the way you love each other, but it's also going to give you victory. And he said, and that victory is in this, our faith. So our belief in the Son of God empowers us. It gives us victory in the world in which we live in. And then he says, and who is it that has this victory? 
the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So we've been talking for weeks now about the sonship of Jesus. We've been talking about the Son of God, the Son of Man. And I can stand up here and explain all this to you, and I can, you can read it, you can think about it, but none of that does any good unless you believe it. That is what is required, to believe in the Son of God. Now we have testimony of this, and that's what this passage says, that there is a testimony far greater than, than man's testimony. You see, we, we tend to believe people, especially if there is more than one saying the same thing, if they testify about something. This goes back to the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. That was part of the, the, the law, was that if anybody was going to bring charges, if anybody was going to testify something, there had to be two or three witnesses. And then Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, he talks about the same thing. When he talks about the, the community of faith, he talks about there have to be two or three witnesses uh, that, that come together to testify. And this, this is saying the same thing. It's saying we, we believe the testimony of people. We believe the testimony of mankind, especially when there are two or three that are all saying the same thing. But this is something greater. Because if we can believe the testimony of humans, then we ought to believe the testimony of God because that testimony is so much greater. And the testimony of God is laid out for us here. It says it is testified by the water, but not just the water. Also by the blood, but not just the blood, but by the Spirit. What does this mean? The water represents the baptism. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the baptism of Jesus Christ and, and what happened at His baptism. The Spirit descended upon Him, and the voice of God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So right there, you have the full testimony of the entire Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all there present at the baptism, testifying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But John says it's not just the water that testifies of this, it's also the blood, meaning the cross, what He did for us on the cross. The fact that He was a human, that He was fully man, the fact that He suffered he bled and he died for us. And then not just the water and not just the blood, but that the Spirit also testifies. The Spirit is truth. And it says the three agree. The water, the blood, and the Spirit, they all come together and they believe. So you have three witnesses, three holy supernatural witnesses. You have the witness of the entire Trinity testifying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And John is saying, if we believe the testimony of people, how much more so should we believe this testimony that God has made evident to us over and over again? Now, when I talk about belief, I want to make clear that I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about heart knowledge. And that's what we talked about in, in the children's sermon this morning. You see, my kids, they, they know, they believe George Washington was the first president because they've read about it. They've been taught that. They've been taught that in school. So they have it up here. They receive it, uh, and they, they, they apply it up here. That's head belief. Heart belief is rooted in experience. My kids believe George Washington was the first president because they've been told that, and they've read that, and, and from reliable sources, from good testimony. But they believe that Claire and I love them because of their experience. 
They've seen that we take care of them, that we, we love them, that we tuck them in at night, that we say prayers with them. And, and this gives them the experience to know, to believe with their heart, something that maybe they wouldn't believe just with their mind. And so when we're talking about what John is saying here, the belief in the Son of God, we're talking about heart belief. We're not talking about logically figuring it all out and linking it all together in a certain way in our minds. We are talking about knowing something in our heart because we have experienced something. And John says you can know. You can know for sure that you have the Son based on what you are experiencing, based on what is happening in your life. That's where the Son changes us. Now, John does, like I said, he does a good job tying faith and love together. He, he, he ties a lot of things together. And this is so simple, it almost gets confusing. So stay with me as, as I lay this out for you. John says, he who believes in the Son has the Son, right? If you believe in the Son, you have the Son. Whoever has the Son has the testimony of the Son. Okay, so we believe in the Son and we have the Son, and because we have the Son, we have the testimony. We have the witness of the Son for others, but also for ourselves, which gives us assurance. And then he says, whoever has the testimony of the Son, because they have the Son, they have eternal life. Whoever has the Son has eternal life. And he says, I say these so that you can know. If you believe, you have the Son. If you have the Son, you have eternal life, and you become a witness to others of eternal life. But you can also be assured yourself that you have it. John is speaking words of assurance for us, but he's also speaking words of assurance for others. He's telling us that it's not just for us. When we have the Son, it's not meant to be kept a secret. It's for others to see as well. And that's where this comes full circle. You see, when we have the Son, and we believe it with our hearts, that the Son changes us. The Son of God changes us from the inside out, and we love, we have been born of God, and we love as God did. We are transformed by His love. There's a change. And that's the Spirit testifying of itself to us and to others that this is real. This is something powerful. Love is changing you. Love is shaping you. And love is changing the way you see others. And others will see that and they'll say, there's a change going on there. And so the Spirit becomes a testimony to us. But then the Spirit becomes a testimony through us. And that's why faith and love and, and 1 John are tied so closely together. Because it begins with our faith. And then we grow in love. And then other people see that love. And because of that, faith is born in them, where love will take root and change them as well. This is called disciples making disciples. We've talked about this before. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his last command was, go and make disciples of all nations. And to be a disciple means that we follow Jesus, that we, we allow him to change our lives and rearrange our hearts and our priorities but it's not enough for us to merely be a disciple. We must go and make disciples. Sometimes we get intimidated by that when we start thinking, well, I don't, I don't know how to approach somebody and start telling them how to be a disciple or how, how they should believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't know how to, to start that conversation. 
Some people are very gifted at that conversation. And some people aren't. But all of us, if we believe in the Son, if we have the Son, the Son is born in us. And it becomes evident. And we make disciples because of the love that God has given us and that God is, is sending to them through us. So I said, when, when we talk about having the Son, it almost sounds like we're having a baby. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Christ is born in us for the sake of being born in the world around us. We have the Son. We have Him internally. And because of that, because of that transformation, the Spirit testifies that He is real. And that love changes us and shapes us, and then it changes those around us. Whoever believes with their heart is born of God. And whoever is born of God loves like God does because they've been transformed. That transformation acts as an assurance for us, for our own salvation. It proves that Christ is alive in us, that He is changing us, and it allows the Holy Spirit to assure us that we do have eternal life, that we are eternally cared for. But that transformation also allows the Holy Spirit to proceed from us. Because having the Son is not meant to be a secret. It's meant to be a testimony of how God's love has shaped us. That testimony, through our love, is also meant to convince those around us that the Son of God is real. And the Son of God is alive. The Son of God is well within us. That is the testimony. And how blessed we are when we find ourselves to be a part of it. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the assurance that you give us when we believe. We thank you for your scripture which assures us, these words which assure us, but we also thank you for your spirit which assures us, which falls upon us and gives us that peace and that, that, that com comforting feeling of knowing that if we place our trust in you, we do have eternal life. And the evidence of that is the way that you change us, the way you shape us, the way you make us to love, not the way humans love, but the way that you love. Lord, we ask that you allow that love to grow within us, that as the sun is within us, that it will, that it will grow and, and, and shine more brightly, that we will be uh, as John Wesley once said, perfected in love, that we will come to love people in the way that you do. And by doing that, not only will we be assured of our own salvation, but others will be assured as well. Lord, we thank you for the testimony you've given to us. We ask that you continue to be a testimony through us. We pray all these things in the name of your Holy Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is Hymn of Promise. That's in your United Methodist Hymnal. Hymn number 707. If you made a decision of any type today, or even if you just want to come forward and, and spend some time here at the altar, uh, I invite you and encourage you to do so. 
Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 707.